Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Compass Point, and with me today is Dagmar. How you doing, Dagmar? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, really excited to be here, excited to dive into this conversation with you. But before we get in, um, why don't you just like introduce yourself? You, you, if you've been around Compass Point, you've probably, I hope, you've seen Dagmar's face. I hope you've had a chance to meet her. But for those who haven't, Dagmar, who are you? What's your role here? Oh, well, my name is Dagmar, and I am the youth and young adults pastor. And this is, I guess, almost my third month yeah. of being here. Time so, flies when you're having fun. I know. It's true. It's true. It's great. Yeah. So you, uh, you got to kick us off on our first week of our Advent series on wonder. Um, and you got to speak to us yesterday and, and kind of draw us into this story that we get to rehash and retell at Christmas, which I just love. Do you want to give us just a little recap from Sunday? Yeah, sure. So the, the focus really for uh, the sermon on Sunday was Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm. So looking at how God is with us in the story. Um, and so, and really part of what we were tying into a lot of it was the beauty of God being with us, the mm -hmm. beauty of the relationship that we have with God. And so we looked at uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 21, mm -hmm. uh, where the angel Gabriel comes to meet Mary and Joseph and tell them that they are going to be the parents of the Savior of the world. Mm. And um, and then we talked a little bit about uh, sort of like the obvious beauty of like angel visitation and the, the presence of Gabriel and, you know, the, the glory of God in the presence of him being in the room uh, and sort of those kinds of images that get brought up during that scripture, um, but then began to think about some of the, um, maybe the contrasts to that, like sort of like the location of mm -hmm. Nazareth was not necessarily like a beautiful place at the right. time. And then Mary was just this ordinary girl, you know, and Joseph ends up in this situation where he finds out Mary's pregnant but doesn't know the whole story about the angel. And right. then so he's in this ugly situation where he's like, what do I do? Um, and wondering why, why does God choose that? Mm. You know, there's God could choose any way to bring about the, his son coming to the world. He could choose like, you know, this great glorious, you know, like powerful display right. that could come down and show everybody who his son is and, and do it with like power and might and authority. And, um, but he doesn't choose that. So why doesn't he choose to do it that way? Yeah. And then, um, really we get to the point where, uh, we realize through the story and through uh, Gabriel specifically coming over and over again as the messenger of God, that he is the symbol of God's relationship to his people and that mm. God is choosing relationship uh, and the depth of relationship and humility and simplicity over the power and authority and, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, blazing yeah. glory, sort of like the magazine cover version of things. Right. He's choosing the opposite to do it, to remind us that he is with us in the yeah. story and that he wants to be with us through the story. Um, yeah. So his presence is there, but also the relationship is there, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's such a, such a good way to start in this journey in this season. Um, and yeah, we were talking about beauty and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can talk a little bit from the other elements in the service, right? We, we did things a little bit differently. We had, um, we had strings, which were, you know, just gorgeous, beautiful. And they played that wonderful medley at the top. And then we, the vocal ensemble sang of the father's love begotten, which is this 13th century plain song chant that doesn't have any time signature, which was really fun <laughs> to try to figure out. Um, 
but just lots of lots of beautiful things, lots of fun things. But then we, you know, we opened the advent calendar and what's in there. Well, it's some of the uh, Clink family island of misfit crafts, uh, <laughs> which have come up a number of times at Compass Point over the years. Um, but yeah, just this idea that that maybe maybe the most beautiful things aren't the most kind of aesthetically pleasing. They're not mm. the like sparkling jewels or the picture perfect photoshopped magazine covers. They're the things that, that mean something that exist in relationship. And even, even as I think about our, our strings on Sunday, some of, some of our compass point family will know that's the Bruner family. Part of what makes them so good. First of all, they're accomplished musicians. Of course they've put in tons of time, but they're family. Um, even Nick, who's, who's an imported family member at this point, he's been around a while, so it helps, but, um, they have, they have relationship and that, Mm. that kind of adds to this beauty, which I think is so, uh, so cool. So so let me ask you this, the, the Christmas story, God with us, God coming to earth. Um, if you've been around the church a while, uh, even a couple of years, it's pretty easy to be like, okay, I've got this one. Like I know this story. Um, as you dug into this sermon, was there anything that, that struck you personally that kind of Mm. moved you in your view of this story or helped you better be like, Oh, this is, this is so cool. Mm. Yeah, there was a few things. Well, one thing that always strikes me is, uh, is this passage, you know, Matthew 1, 18 to 21 is Mm. like, it's very short Yeah, and there isn't a lot of detail in it. No. There's a little more detail about the angel uh, coming to Joseph in his dream, but there isn't really a lot. Like they kind of gloss over the angel encountering Mary. Mm-hmm. And, but even with it being so short, as I kind of dove into it, I'm always astounded at how much depth there is. Yeah. And so you think you know it. Right. And you're like, yeah, I know this story. I know what happens. But when you really start to get in there, you realize there's so many more layers to it and there's so many. Um, new things to constantly learn. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's always sort of a a gift that comes through um, diving into something that you're going to teach. And in particular, what I really was uh, struck about in this, uh, in my research for this was uh, just like the story of Nazareth, Mm. of the city. Yeah. And so, you know, we know some basic things about Nazareth, like Nazareth. We know that it's like, you know, it was, it was kind of like off the beaten path. Like Mm -hmm. you had to sort of go there on purpose. It wasn't something like it wasn't, you know, a destination of its own. It was sort of, you know, this like on the way to other places you might stop in there. But even in that sense, it wasn't like a place that people stopped off in. Right. So it really was like, when you say like, you know, like a one horse town, or in this case, maybe a one camel town, yep. Yep. it was really that, you know? It, and so it's like an en route stop on the 400 going North. Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and so to kind of, you know, dive into sort of some more, uh, information about that. So I came across a couple of really great like archaeology podcasts mm. that talked about Nazareth and and some of the things that are happening there now. So like I didn't know this, but they didn't really consider Nazareth to be a holy city until about like the 1850s. Okay. That was when it was really started to kind of be recognized as this like holy place. Mm. And so um so people started to, you know, plant churches there and yep. build into it and then now it's become this, you know, bustling metropolis kind of city. But I thought that was interesting. Um, And then also that there is um, more archaeology happening there right now. And they have found, um, and it was a few years ago now, but they found the first sort of um, 
dwelling, mm. like just like a house yeah. would be there. And yeah. they hadn't really, we haven't really done a lot of archaeology there, which I just found astounding that yeah. we, we don't know that much about it. And so they, there were some interesting things in that. Like they, there's this church, the Church of Annunciation that mm -hmm. is in town. That church is built on top of three other churches. One of them, which is on top of like a fourth century sort of like uh, church. And those churches were built because they believed that underneath those churches were the caves where Mary's family lived. Right and where the angel visited her. Right. And so they built their churches there, and then eventually this other church was built there. And then this little uh, dwelling is right beside the church. Mm. And so it was interesting just to hear how they're uncovering more and more information about, you know, what was in the town and what was yeah. actually there, and that we don't really know that much about it. And so I just found that fascinating. There's something kind of wonderfully ordinary about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Like we often think of this story um, just from the, the little we know. We think of the angels glowing in the sky and the ha ah, and the like, yeah. you know, we've got a kind of a visual picture of the manger right. and, and the stable, but we don't think of like regular everyday life that happened kind mm -hmm. of around the birth of Jesus. And mm -hmm. this we, we kind of got into this this week with talking about the angels coming to Mary and Joseph who, and they were normal people living yeah. everyday life in a time and a place like we all do as humans. Um, and, and God showed up in the middle of that. Uh, God communicated, which is just, yeah. it's so incredible. Yeah. Um, so I've, for those of us, again, who maybe know this story and like, I love, I love some of the, the archaeology. I love that kind of stuff. Um, where does this make a difference? As I go about in my daily life, as I lean into my week and, and you know, struggle through life as... Uh, a worker and a husband and a father or, or whatever you may be, mm -hmm. where does, where does this make a difference that God came and he communicated and the beauty in that? Hmm. I think it, it's like a, you know, like you said earlier that, you know, we feel like we know this story. Oh yeah, we know, mm. you know, and we're walking through Advent, but it's like, you know, you just do it every year. You open your chocolate Advent calendar every day. And, yeah. you know, and I think it's, easy to kind of get, uh, especially with Christmas, to get caught up in like the trappings of all the things we're doing, the right. busyness, which we talk about a lot, but you know, it is a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a nice reminder for us to kind of stop and think about how we're being present with God yeah. during this time. Mm -hmm. And then also just to reflect on, obviously if we're present with him, then he is present with us in that moment too. Right. So it's like to stop and sort of make time yeah, in I, our day to just be with him, especially in this season as yeah. we're, yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I think of, um, well, all kinds of things around presence, but, but especially like I, I have found our cell phones make us, they, they tell us the lie that we can be present in all times and all places right. to all people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we know this, right? You, you've, if you've ever walked into a room or, or looked around at a restaurant, right? There's tons of people sitting there across from someone on their phone and not really all that present. And like, this is, God actually gives us his presence all the time. And it feels like we're often on our phones. We're often so busy in our day-to-day -day lives. We're, we're often distracted. And this is why we're leaning into rule of life and all of these things. But, um, what, uh, what have you found in your own life is helpful for, being present back to God's presence. Hmm. 
Well, certainly some of the spiritual practices um, that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. like as a staff, we've been talking about it and working on them. And one of them has just been maybe this uh, this this idea of presence or silence. Yeah. Because I realize it's very easy for me to, you know, be in my house and there's some kind of input on music or the TV is on or something, something is on. Mm-hmm. Get in my car, my phone is on because my GPS is on. So my phone is, there's yep. another screen there. Then you get to work, then you're on a screen, then you get back in your car on a screen, then you go home to a screen. And it just felt like there was a lot of times when it was just constantly screens near me or around me. And so really craving that silence and that like presence of just being, you know, quiet and just with God and not doing anything in that moment necessarily, like not asking for something, not trying to receive something, but just being silent and present. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've tried many times to do that and have been very unsuccessful at it. Or it was silent, but didn't necessarily feel present. And so uh, it is a struggle. But I have noticed uh, lately that that, um, it's kind of begun to sink in. So it took a little while of me doing it and feeling like I was failing at it. Uh, which is a whole other podcast episode. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a reason <laughs> we call judging these ourselves in practices. these moments of these spiritual practices that yeah. are meant to just be life giving yeah. and presence. And um, but it, but it's been it has been really impactful to mm. kind of walk through it and do it consistently to get to the point where now I actually do feel, you know, it makes a difference. Like it really just shifts my whole sense of being and my focus mm-hmm. and my ability to be more available. Yeah. For the rest of the day as well. So it's like that one practice has been huge, even though it's uh, it's short. I don't do it for very long, like yeah. a minute, maybe two minutes. Like okay. it, it, it's it's a lot. Like it, it sounds like not very long, but it's hard to be quiet for. Oh yeah, <laughs> for it's two like, minutes. Does that make you uncomfortable? Probably. Right? It makes me uncomfortable. For right? sure. Like right. So, but that's been really, really helpful. And I think the key to it, really, for me, was getting to the point where I was consistent with it. Right. But I made it small enough that I could do it consistently. Okay. And that's been really impactful. And so this, yeah. and then this uh, being the teaching that came up to be for the first week of Advent was, you know, it all kind of yeah. works together, right? Like it just always comes together like that, where it's like speaking through all these different things that are happening in your life. Yeah. And I mean, I, I touched a little bit on Sunday on this when we sang In the Bleak Midwinter, mm-hmm. right? Which is this funny, like, we're, ta- we're really, we're talking about beauty and wonder and we're th- singing about the bleakness of the midwinter that we find ourselves in. Yeah, often, often we need that pause and we need sometimes for, for me personally, like I actually need something hard to force me to pause. I'm, I, I don't want to admit that, but that's often what God will do in my life. And then I'll, I'll have to pause and I'll have to see the beauty. I'll have to come back to the relationship because I, I don't know about you, but like, yes, I believe all this. It's great. But I like the shiny magazine cover beauty. I like the glitz. I like the, like, and and not that it's the glitz, but I, you know, I'm easily distracted and I'm drawn to things that seem beautiful, which is why I think when Jesus came, everyone was expecting like a king riding a horse, Mm. not a, a guy riding a donkey, right? Like, like they wanted something that was like, oh yeah, hold that sword up. Let me like paint a mural of it and like, 
the, you know, the mural of a man hanging on a cross. We've gotten pretty used to it, but in the first century, it was not, that was not a thing of power or might or beauty. No. It was a thing of shame no. and darkness. Yeah. And, and very opposite to Roman culture, yeah. right? Because that is not, it was all might and power and force and strength and, yeah. and it was not, and it was just the complete opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Which, and I think the same is probably true for all our culture. We're not, yeah. maybe not might so. and, and power, but we're were influence and celebrity and distraction right? and distraction yeah. and all kinds of things. So I think there's, uh, oh yeah, so much, so much good stuff there. Um, as you were going through this message, anything else that you kind of left on the cutting room floor as you were going through any other things you want to just draw our attention to? Mm. Yeah, there, there was, um, there was something I, I really found interesting and I, I, uh, wrote quite a bit about it, but it wasn't, it didn't fit in the timeline that we had. And it was just this idea of, you know, in this story, God is sending Gabriel to send the messages. And so, or in this part of, uh, scripture. And so he's using Gabriel to, you know, continue the relationship and show his presence. Um, but there is also this piece about Elizabeth and Mary. Yeah where it, it, it's actually in Luke where we hear the full story of Mary and the, and the angel, um, where the angel tells, tells Mary that Elizabeth has been given a miracle as well, mm-hmm. and Mary should go and see Elizabeth. And so yeah. Mary then realizes that, you know, oh, this miracle has happened for somebody else. It is possible that it could happen. But then there's that piece that struck me about Mary then having relationship with Elizabeth so that she's not just carrying this miracle and overwhelming, uh, mission that she now has on her own, that God has actually worked a miracle in Elizabeth and through Elizabeth's relationship to Mary is now able to continue his work in Mm -hmm. Mary. And so just the idea of, um, that God uses people. Mm -hmm. So like in this story, he definitely sent the angel. So but we don't always feel like we know when, like, how do I know God is talking to me? Or how do I right. know God is in my life? It's like, right. well, he uses people. And right. I think there was a time when I didn't kind of fully, I was like, I don't really understand that concept. But there was something about reading about Elizabeth and Mary where I yeah. realized, I was like, oh, he transforms somebody. He does something in somebody. And through that transformation, that person is available to another person. Right. And then he can continue to work in that person's life. And then like, so I just think like the connection point of, um, of that part of the relationship yeah, yeah. is, is interesting. And, and what, what's the first thing both Mary and Elizabeth did when they heard the good news? What did they do? They sang a song. They wrote poetry. Oh, that's right. They did. Right. They yes. both got these beautiful yes. songs, poems. Yes. And you're, you're a a poet. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's something. There's I was like, oh, about, they hugged. Yeah, I don't what know. They, what did they do? Yeah. <laughs> they see each other. Well, and they hug. Is that they're, actually they're the first thing they did? I don't, it's the, well, the first thing we've got in the record of I what got happened. You. Um, but yeah, again, this like this human expression of like the, mm-hmm. the wonder that has met us, the beauty that has met us, like I need to respond and we're going to get mm-hmm. there in our Advent season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm excited to, to keep digging in. Well, we're almost out of time here, Dagmar. Any closing thoughts for us? I think, um, I think just an encouragement really, um, you know, we, it's a busy season. There's lots of pretty things to look at and certainly we can enjoy all the beauty and things like that, but just the encouragement, um, for us to try to carve out that maybe one or two minutes a day to be present with God. Mm. Yeah. I 
Well, thank you, Dagmar. Uh, This has been great having you here. We'll do it again soon. Uh, Thank you for listening along to Postscript. We'll be back next week with more. Mm -hmm.